But hey, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for jumping into um, what's love got to do with its series. Hopefully for all of us, it's actually everything. Because when it comes down to it, love ultimately is the foundation that everything else kind of works and turns from. You two tried the song I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It was a search for love in the right way to apply it and the right way to impact people's lives. So they snuck into Harlem, into a, an African-American church in Harlem because these kids took the song they did a demo tape, and they did the whole choir, African inner city choir thing to it and sent it to them, and they were so taken away by it that they snuck into Harlem, sat down with them, and just re-recorded the song in a way of allowing it to be a worship expression in a different level. Gary, this coffee is really good. <laughs> like, we are here for the day. Would anybody like coffee for breakfast tomorrow morning? Gosh, it's really, look. Oh, come on, Jesus. But hey, what's got love got to do with it? It actually says this. So you hear this at a wedding a lot, but you hear it spoken in different ways. But it says this in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as they reflect in a mirror. One day, one day, we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I'll understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then... There are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love suppresses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which we run. Amen, let's go home. Are you running, are you allowing love to be the driver or is it a cultural filter with a little bit of love and a little bit of that? Because ultimately that's what it comes down to is, Lord, let me pursue love what does it mean to love you? What does it mean to be loved? What does it mean to love others? The whole series will unpack that over the few weeks. But sadly, um, I think sadly we can so easily get tricked, trapped and conditioned, whatever word works for you because different ones work for different people, <clears throat> into seeing ourselves the way other people sadly decide. Which when you think about it, it's the craziest thing in the world to let somebody else other than Jesus divine who you are because they're filtering everything through who they are. Or Jesus isn't. He just is. I am. And he has a love for us and a compassion for us that's life-changing. Why would we allow somebody else who is probably filtering everything through how they, they see themselves to define our value rather than the person that we should actually be listening to? Who kind of, to be honest, not just put his money where his mouth was, but he actually took it one step further. He actually used his life as a payment for us in reference to tell us how much he loved us. He didn't ask for it. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. He just did it. There was a bill to be paid that had separated him from his creation. It was called sin. And he wrote the check. He wrote the check with his life. So let me express how deeply in love with you, Rob, that I am. See, who we listen to and what we allow them to speak over us and into us will have a huge impact on people's lives. In fact, some of it's had a huge impact on your life today. You don't do things because people have told you you shouldn't. You don't do things because people have told you you're not good enough. You don't do things because people have said you're not good enough. You'll fail at it and they've injected fear into you. So because of other people's words, you've stopped taking the steps of faith that maybe God has called you to. Those words impacted my life, and it took me a while to work through them over all these years. Some of you have heard this before. Some of you maybe haven't. 
But here's some of them. When I first made a decision here 12 years ago that God stirred me in a meeting with somebody to come to Utah to resign to where I was at and kind of move to Utah by faith and just show up and let Jesus direct me. Someone was so encouraging, they told me these words. Hey, Rob, yeah, pastors go to Utah to die. Why would anybody want to go there? That was the first words I was told the day I was taking the journey of God potentially stirring us to come here. From pastors. Rob, there's a whole bunch of other opportunities available. Why in God's green earth would you go to a place like Utah? You do know it's full of Mormons, don't you? Pastors go there to die, not to actually succeed. I remember thinking, that's really encouraging. Our words like this, yours not as good as the last guy. We prefer him. I don't want to be as good as the last guy. I just want to be me. I love the last guy. Amazing person. I had that after 35, 45 days of being here. You're not as good as the last guy. I'm like, I didn't think I was the last guy, actually. <clears throat> I don't think he has a cute Irish accent or dimples. Or I won't show you my six-pack because my wife's here and she would be like, stop that. But I won't show you that, okay? Stop. Like, Joe, can you please sort these people out? Like, seriously? This is church. Or words like this. You are not really as good as him or them. I'm like, I don't want to be. I just want to be me. Years ago, words that wounded me so deeply that I had to learn to let go of it over and over and over again. See, I left my home to come here. But some people's words of encouragement were these. I don't understand a freaking word you say. Why don't you go back to where you came from? Church people. Church people. We're talking about words. We're talking about letting Jesus speak into your life. Words. Words that pierce people at a deep level. I love my accent. When you'll get to heaven, you'll have one. And if you don't, you don't get in. They're like, what? That's not in the Bible. No, come on. But, but again, we allow words to so penetrate our life rather than using the words that we should let penetrate our life. See, I didn't even know what to do with them at the time. I just wanted people to experience the Jesus that I'd experienced. In fact, just two days ago, I sat on the phone with my mentor for 45 hours, been in their life for 44 years. John and Doreen, I love you so much. Back in Ireland and just... Got to reminisce over the last four years. And Dorian's like, Robert, how many people get to start with a 13-year-old? And she said, I've heard you say it in church quite a few times, retrobate. And here, the next season, that retrobate will fly back to Ireland as a minister of the gospel and will speak over John's life as he's laid to rest to go be with Jesus. That's the words I needed to hear. It's the words we need to say to one another. So often it's so easy to kind of allow words to just slip off our tongue and there's no real ripple effects when there is. See, words, words lately that I've had to process and I just want to be honest with you guys and I'm okay, but just in this last season because we had the Delta variants, we've got the Echo variants, we've got the Foxtrot variants, we're going to have the Tango variants, we're going to have the Whiskey variants, we're going to have the uh, whatever variants. But just so you know, here's, here's the words I have to deal with in our culture just recently and these were both in the same breath. One, Rob, 
If you really loved people, you would tell everybody to wear masks. Rob, if you really loved and trusted Jesus, you would tell everybody to not wear masks. That's our culture. That's where we live right now, right here, right outside those doors. That's our Christian culture. If you really loved God, you'd have everybody wear masks. Okay, I did that last year and got fried for it. If you really, really loved and trusted Jesus, you'd have nobody wear masks. Because if you had faith, you would just kind of do it. I'm like, no, there's a thing called the Bible says respect those in authority over you. My governor asks us to wear masks. That's actual Bible. Not emotion. That's actually written Bible. I mean, words get into our hearts and we have to work through them. You've heard this, sticks and stones but might break my bones, which they surely will, right? But words, they'll actually never hurt me. Well, that's the biggest lie I've ever heard. Because they won't just only hurt you and I, they will actually cause you and I to get to a place where we bleed and are bruised emotionally in our life if we don't check the source of them. That's why the Bible says things like this. Proverbs 18 says, your words and my words are so powerful, they will kill, they will give life. All the theologians in the house that was adapted by me, okay? Your words... My words, their words, our words will kill people or will give life to people. Words from the wrong source left unchecked will and can leave deep wounds. And if left unchecked can become infected and when a wound becomes infected and it's left, well, it speaks for itself. It will kill you and I every time. Kill us physically? Yes, sometimes. But more so kill people emotionally and spiritually than everything else, than anything else. That infected wound, if left unchecked, can rob people like you and I of our dreams and God-given desires. For most of us, that's where the poison starts. And those people's words drip into our dreams and our desires and cause a pollution or a poison to take place. You see, I had to take a journey of learning to lean into what Jesus said about me rather than what other people said about me. I had to get to a point that I'm okay with who Jesus has made me to be in process and that Jesus has a pace that he has called me to move and grow at that's right for me, that I don't have to please everybody else, that in one sense, I had to decide to live my life first as a Christ follower, transparently and out loud, but most importantly, only for an audience of one. Who's your one that you're living for? And leaning into today? Who's the one you've given that permission in your life to speak to you at the deepest, deepest of levels? That you listen to, that you lean into, that you allow to mold and shape you in this season. Wendy, would you come join me, please? I took a different tack this morning. I hope it's okay with you. If you don't have one of Gary's coffees, you should have. If you want popcorn, Adam and Joe will come and serve you here in a second. But I'm going to ask you, honestly, right now, I'm going to ask you to sit back, relax, close your eyes if you want to. If someone snores, just elbow them gently, okay? As soon as I want you to sit back, I, want you to close. I don't want you to get distracted by anybody that's sitting around you. Nobody, not even your wife, your husband, your children. I, don't want you to get to, I want you just to sit for a second. You can look at the floor. I want you just to listen to this story. Who are you going to lean into? Who's going to be your one? In this story, his name is Eli. But you ask yourself, who are you in this story? Sit back and enjoy it. Thank you. It's by Max Licato, okay? 
The book is called what, Wendy? You are special. You are special. If you haven't read it as an adult, shame on you. Because it's the most powerfully intimate, sensible, to a point way of going, oh, you mean I'm special? Not because of what I do. Not because of the resume I have. Not because of the things I own or the job or except simply because I am his. Yes, you are. Wendy, thank you so much. The Wemmicks were small wooden people. All of the wooden people were carved by a woodworker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village. Each Wemmick was different. Some had big noses. Others had large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. Some wore hats, others wore coats, but all were made by the same carver and all lived in the village. And all day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmick had a box of gold star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets, all over the city, people spent their days sticking stars and dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got stars too. Some could lift big sticks high above their heads or jump over tall boxes. Still, others knew big words or could sing pretty songs. Everyone gave them stars. Some Wemmicks had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else and get another star. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of those. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. And when he fell, the others would gather around him and give him dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood got scratched, so the people would give him more dots. Then when he would try to explain why he fell, he would say something silly, and the Wemmicks would give him more dots. After a while, he didn't even want to go outside. He was afraid he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat or step in the water, and then people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots, and some people would come up to him and just give him dots for no reason at all. He deserves lots of dots, the wooden people would agree with one another. He's really not a good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good Wemmick, he would say. The few times he went outside, he hung around other Wemmicks who had lots of dots. He felt better about them. One day, he met a Wemmick who was unlike any he had ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just wooden, and her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would run up and give her a star, but it would fall off. Others would look down on her for having no stars, so they would give her a dot, but it wouldn't stick either. 
that's the way I want it to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want any, anyone's marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day, I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the wood carver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Why don't you go and find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the Wemmick, who had no stickers, turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me? Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't hear, so Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other's dots and stars. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he decided to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here. And he turned to leave. Then he heard his name. Punchinello. The voice was deep and it was strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come, let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little Wemmick said. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm. The maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what, other, what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Why are they to give you dots or stars? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think you are pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know, she told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about the stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. 
Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the women walked out the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. Yeah. <clears throat> you letting other people put dots and stars on you? See, the, the dot part's easy. We, we can justify how people shouldn't put dots on me. But the star set is just as dangerous. Because all of a sudden, now someone's got more stars than I do. And the motivation becomes poisoned and toxic. See, God never designed you and I to have dots or stars. Learning to see ourselves the way God sees us and absorbing what he says about us is probably one of the most greatest things that we can embrace in conjunction with calling him our Lord and Savior. Outside of you saying, I have invited Christ to change me because that's what you do. No one does it for you. Outside of that opening up of our life and going, Jesus, I want you to come and truly become my security, my stability, my all. And then allowing that to transform to a place that Jesus is working with you and for you and through you and allowing him to mold and shape you, most powerful thing you and I could ever choose to do. Why? Because you're special. Why? Simply because you're his. I don't know what your upbringing is. I don't know what your background is. I know what mine is. I know I've talked about it a lot of different times. But so often you're judged by your past. You're judged by everybody else around who God's designed you to be right now. In fact, there's no more special time than right now. In fact, Gary, would you please stand? See, Gary is designed to be alive at this moment. Way, way back when God put this whole thing and spun this whole thing in time, he was actually thinking about him right now in this moment, right today in Ogden, Utah. And thought, I'm gonna put him there. Not just to be a husband or a father, not just to have a job, and they're all wonderful things but to be a conduit to allow my life and who I am to flow through him, into him and out of him, into other people's lives. Because there's somebody, one person that I need Gary to pour his life into and then one person and one person and one person. Thank you, Gary. That God selects us and places us for such a time as this. See, the doing thing, that's a sad, wrong cultural filter that we've unhealthily taken on board to help determine our value that what I do determines my value. No, whose you are determines your value. Because what you do, I, I'll be playing golf in heaven for those in the Irish section. That's my thing in heaven. But you probably won't be doing what you're doing. Right? In fact, Tyler is an incredible police officer. He's a sergeant, right? There won't be no need for police officers in heaven because there will be no more pain and no more suffering. So Tyler can hang up his badge and his gun. He can just go be available to Jesus in heaven so his role won't matter, but his presence, his presence will be everything God desires to use and to pour out into other people's lives. You and I are special because he made you and I. And when he said it, he doesn't make mistakes. So the people have said you are a mistake watching online or here in person, they're a liar. They lie to you because God doesn't make mistakes with anybody. There's no leftover dough that he puts into somebody. There's these pieces, so I'll just push it. We'll make something with it. There's never just something. There's always his everything. 
He places it in a person's life. You were given this coming in because we wear hats and we stick stickers all over our cars and our coffee mugs. Praise God, hallelujah, amen, okay? Stick it in your coffee mug and remind yourself, this is what Jesus says about you, not culture. He says this, thank you, his word says, for making me put your name in there. So wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about it. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well you need to know it because he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. Or Ephesians 2.10, adjusted by me. For you are God's masterpiece. He has created you and you in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good things he planned for you long ago. Nobody else can fulfill what God has called Gary to. Gary is so unique for that purpose. It will take your breath away, as are you. Or Isaiah, yet you, Lord, are my father. I am and want to be the clay. You're the potter. I want to be the work of your hand. Nobody else's. Has his hands, these hands, his hands, are they on your life? Or have you allowed somebody else to be? Have you allowed someone else's hands to be placed on your life and in your life? That they influence what they say and what they do with you every day? That you're up when they're up and you're down when they're down? You're happy when they're happy and you're sad when they're sad and you're mad when they're mad? That they have access to place their influence in your life on a daily basis? Whose hands are words that we allow or invite into our life will have dynamic consequences on our future? What happens when we start to believe that sort of thought of what Jesus says about this? Well, the profound power of his words spoken into us start to take effect on the inside. And when that happens, take a deep breath and hold on because everything starts to change. Everything. When you allow him to speak into who you are, not allow people to speak into what you should be, but who he has called you to be, everything starts to change on the inside. Young ladies and young men allow themselves to come up here and make themselves available on a worship team. I'm gonna speak to someone, I didn't ask her permission, but I've known her since she was little, as Eva Stand. I mean, this young lady years ago was sharing her heart that she had a desire to allow herself to be a worshiper of the Lord and to lead other people. I remember the first day she came up here she was worried about what you would think. And then she flicked the switch. And she went, oh, yeah, there's only one person in the room. And he's standing right there on the chairs. And he's cheering and jumping and crying out, Eva, 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 Eva. And she came and she gave herself into her gift. She allowed Jesus to use her, and it's amazing to watch young ladies and young men lead us in worship in their gifting. Thank you, Eva. Why? Because she's discovering, and they're discovering who they are in Jesus, not what you think, but what he thinks really matters and draws them to a place of allowing him to wash over them. Where do you start? You have to monitor the inputs. 
Joshua 1.8 says this, study the book, this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Adam walked us into that first week about really loving him as a, as a response of obedience to what Jesus calls us to. One of the most profound things that I see sad today, I, I, someone else said it the other day and it just really struck me and I was like, ah. They said in the 21st century, Christians are becoming illiterate. You don't lead, read his word anymore. Just listen to it. I mean, I love talking. To you. I, I'm nervous as heck doing this every Sunday. I have no right to be up here, none whatsoever. I'm a baby at best, becoming more like Jesus. But I love and can with my, if I have nothing else, I have my passion for Jesus. He's the coolest cat in the world. And you can listen to me, and that's fun, but please don't ever take this as gospel. The gospel is the written word of God and only the written word of God. No matter how good the person is talking, it is not gospel. They are talking about the gospel. They're presenting the gospel, but the gospel is the thing that changes us. So we want to get to that place is learn to meditate on it day and night. And if you do Bible studies or Bible reading or Bible plans, but I'd love to invite you to come do one with me this week if you want to take a step. Some of the things are on the screen is go to Bible.com. Sign up for, for Lit Rate, for you version, right? Go to the search panel and search identity and who are you. Invite me to be a friend on you version with you and then send me the things and, hey, Rob, I'm in. And if you send me an I'm in on Wednesday, I'm gonna invite all of you who wanna do it. And I'd love us all to do it. We can take 150 people, I think is the max they'll do. I'd love 150 of us to be reading the word together and then sharing our thoughts and ideas. Little Dino Kovinich kind of invited me to one, and him and I are in this Bible study. Even this morning, we were doing it together really early, and I just watched him put his notes in, and it so stirred, stirred my heart. This young man's reading God's word, asking God to speak. To, are you? Are you reading magazines on golf, or hunting, or home alone, or gardening, or planes, or whatever it would be? See, I, I've said this before. I have to be careful. I say it in church online. Please forgive me. But I don't think Jesus is over spirits. I think we are sometimes. I would encourage you, if you're ever going to go to the bathroom, not to be crude, number two is not number ones. It tends to take more than seconds. You tend to be in isolation. I'm sorry, as I know it's not spiritual for spiritual people. Get over it. Instead of picking up a golf magazine, pick up your phone and go to your version and sit and allow God's word to wash you while you do the natural thing and go to the bathroom. Because Jesus would show up if you'd meet him in the bathroom. I promise you, I promise you, if you were given a few minutes, instead of a golf magazine or a hunting magazine or whatever it would be magazine, you picked up his word and you asked him to speak. I promise you on my life, he will show up and speak into your life. Amen. Promise you. So if you're interested, grab that stuff, go on your version, come do it with me Wednesday if you want to. You don't have to, if you want to. I want you to sit back and I want you to ask you a question. Are you allowing people to place dots and even stars on your life? that are motivating in the wrong way. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, bow your head a second and a second. Wendy's gonna sing a song for me as a declaration of just surrender to him. And if you know you've allowed other people to place dots on your life and even stars on your life and you're drawing affirmation from the wrong place, I'm gonna ask you to come this morning and allow him to allow the dots and the stars to fall off your so you can just be who he's called you to be because the stars are just as dangerous as the dots. Just bow your head a second, close your eyes. And then as Wendy and them sing, if you feel God speaking to you, just come find a place by the altar. What, what does it mean up here? Is there anything special about it? No, it's just carpet and wood. 
But it's a physical step of declaration towards somebody, towards him going, Lord, I don't want to be defined by my dots or by my stars anymore. I want to be defined by you. Now, if I get some stars, that's cool. Back over this last year, and Adam and Joe and some others have been really helpful to me. I've received an awful lot of dots because of my handling of the whole COVID thing. But I had to come to a place called, Lord, I, I'm just trying really hard. I need to get back to a place sort of allowing you to be my value and to be my ring. I can do my best today. And when next year comes, I look back, I could have done it better. But I'm not there yet. I'm actually right here now. I can't be Robert 2025. I can only be Robert 2021. July, August, September of 20. I can only be that guy. And that's all you're asking of me, Dad, is to do my very, very best with what I have and to use wise conscience to help me get to a place that you want to get to. Maybe God's saying the same thing to you this morning. If he is, as Wendy sings this song for us, would you allow yourself to find a place and go, Dad, I'm going to ask you to watch the dots and that even maybe the stars that I've pursued for the wrong reason off of me. Thank you. 
See, we are his masterpiece. Not somebody else's, not cultures, not a company, not your boss. And husbands and wives, forgive me for this, but not even your spouses. You're his. And the Mona Lisa has nothing on you. This picture has nothing on you. Is it there, guys? nothing. Why? Because your value is not based on what someone might pay for it, and it's about $350, $400, $600 million, what they say. But your value is actually based on what someone did pay, (laughs) and that's a priceless life, a life that should never have been sacrificed. The one life that should have every right to have everybody else sacrifice, he chose to be your nice payment for our sin, our life. What would it take for you and I to find a way to get away on a daily basis, to allow dad to remind us of how much he loves us and cares about us? Not for knowledge's sake, but for intimacy's sake. See, the more we learn to trust in Jesus' love for us expressed through what he says about us, the less we care about their dots and their stars. That's the truth. The less we care about their dots and stars, we discover and trust about what he says about us. I love Andrea. I really do. I mean, look at her. She's the sexiest Filipino chick baby in the world. What's not to love about her? I mean, Right? And I love the fact that she's chosen to love me. I'm a blessed, blessed man. Her love for me is amazing, icing on the cake. But honey, I love you, but you're not my cake. He is. He is. That God forbid, we are, Irish people are allowed to organize with God what's happening in their life because he loves Irish people. So we've organized it and Andrea's gonna go first. So I'm gonna go first because if, I, if she went first to be with Jesus and left me behind, I would starve within two days. Stay here, guys. I couldn't get into our bank account because she has all the passwords and all the login stuff. So there's no way on this planet that God's gonna take her first because he would never do that to me. Um, so we've organized it that I'm gonna go first, go ahead, get our house together. She's gonna live next door to me in heaven on the Irish golf course. Yeah, all the theologians are like, what's he talking about? Because here's why. Because we can't draw our value from there. See, we were never designed to be defined by stars or a dot, but more so by his words. If I could get you to remember anything, I want to do this. We gave you a sticker to take with you home and stick it somewhere. And I encourage you this week, just turn there or write it below it and read it. Because you're going to be defined by other people in a minute when you step out of here, because we are. You know, a lot of other people to speak into your life. And my commitment in this season for me is Crossroads Church will be a church where no dots and no stars are necessary. 
just you being you and people being people. We're not the only church. There's some fantastic churches in Thai. There really are amazing churches in Thai. But I, I want people to be comfortable coming here where it's not a definition by a dot or a star. It's definition by a word, his word, that he loves people just the way they are. What was it Wendy read for us as the little guy was leaving? He was doing the whole little shuffle thing probably. And he probably paused and went, I think he means what he says. And a dot fell off. Maybe a star fell off. Maybe a star needs to fall off of you. A dot needs to fall off of you. See, I think he means it. When he says, I love you so much that I gave my life for you. Gary, I call you friend, he says. Eva, you're wonderfully and marvelously made by me because I took time over it. And I don't make mistakes. I have a plan for your life that will take your breath away. See, his words spoken over you and I bring life. I don't know if you've watched The Chosen. If you haven't, you should. Um, but there's a scene I want to close with this morning. Stay here. Stay there. I want you to sit and I want you to watch this because it's really sad. I don't know if you've watched the preview stuff with the chosen. This was the hardest, hardest part of the series that Christians struggled with. They literally, literally wrote dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of texts and emails complaining that Dallas and the team, to the best of their ability, presented this situation. And it's where a young lady failed and slipped back into her ways. The Christians, how can we present Mary ever complaining and struggling with her sin? I'm like, uh, it's in the Bible? Like, it's in the book written in letters? And this is a moment I want to hear this morning. This is what Jesus, if you're watching this morning, you don't know Jesus. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus personally. I want you to watch this moment and ask yourself a question. What would you do if he spoke these words to you? Thank you so much, guys, when you're ready. It's not you. There's quite a lot going on right now. So it's good to have you back. I don't know what to say. I don't require much. I'm, I'm so ashamed. You redeemed me and I just threw it all away. Well, that's not much of a redemption if it can be lost in a day, is it? you everything but I just don't think I can do it do what live up to it repay you how could I leave how could I go back to the place I was and I didn't even I didn't even come back on my own they had to come get me I just can't live up to it. 
Well, that's true. <laughs> but you don't have to. I just want your heart. The father just wants your heart. Give us that, which you already have. And the rest will come in time. Did you really think that you'd never struggle or sin again? I know how painful that moment was for you. I shouldn't. Someday. But not here. I'm just so sorry. Look up. <laughs> I can't. You can. Look at me. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> you do it I just want your heart and everything else will fall in place Jesus didn't make all the rules the church did Jesus doesn't make us do anything but he invites us to take a journey with him into everything it's never going to twist your arm I wish we could it would be so much easier As a pastor, I, I, I just want to encourage you. If there's a gap, if there's a space, if, if there's something, if you can remember a day that you were more intimately in love with him than you are today, find a way to get back, would you? Find a way to ask him to re-refresh you as a person. Do me a favor, just bow your head a second, would you? Pastor Joe, would you join me? Pastor Adam, would you come, please? Shannon Allen, would you come, please? There are pastors of ours in the room. I can't see them any other. Where are the pastors in the room? Am I missing somebody, Joe? Lauren, would you come, please? Andrea, would you come with Lauren, please, a second, honey? Mandy, would you come with Pastor Joe, please, sweetheart? I don't know what you're dealing with. I just know this, that Jesus that I'm in love with is not interested in behavior, first of all. He's interested in intimacy. He's interested in a relationship before anything else. We believe in literally follow, believe, and obey. We don't revert it. Obey first. I believe that. I don't think that's how Christianity works. Pastor Adam, would you grab a microphone, please, buddy? I'll ask Pastor Adam to pray over us here in a second. And then as we're finished, I'm going to beg you this morning. I know I shouldn't beg you, but I'm going to beg you this morning. If God stirred your heart at all, please, for God's sake, don't leave. If God stirred anything in you this morning, cancel freaking lunch. 
or a football game or whatever it is that's happening at 1230. Cancel it and stay here and go, I'm going to wait until one of these people are available to lay hands on me and go, please, Lord Andrea, will you ask Jesus to take me to that next day? Whatever it is that he stirred in you this morning, please, I beg you, don't leave. I love Pastor Joe, but he's messed up. He's not the answer. But the Jesus that lives in him, when you allow Joe and Mandy to go, boom, the Jesus that lives in Joe goes, no way! I get a chance to touch someone's life because they want it. It's a want, not a requirement. God doesn't require you that you go to Pastor Joe and Mandy and go, hey, Joe, Mandy, I have no clue what's going on, but will you please pray with me? He doesn't require you to do that, but he passionately invites us to do it. And this is really terrible, and Pastor Joe will fix this for me. But Hispanic and black people know how to do this part. White people don't, because we just check the box and leave, and we file it. And they stay for hours in his presence. But whatever they, they stay in his, Lord, I need you to do. You said something. Adam, I'm going to go to Adam and go, Adam, God said something. I don't know what it is, but please, will you agree with me that God will change something in my life? Because I don't want to watch anymore. Why the heck would anybody want to watch a game when you're invited into it? Why would anybody want to watch a game when you're invited to play it? But it has to be an invitation. So... If God stirred your heart about anything that's going on this morning and you felt him nudge you, Pastor Adam, come on up here a second and you can go back down. If Pastor Adam prays over us this morning, you just meet Jesus right where you're at. And then when he's released us through his prayer, please have a great day and joy. So thanks for joining us. But if God stirred you, stay. Let one of these flawed people minister with you and pray for you and allow Jesus to meet you in this moment. Amen. Pastor. Thank you, Rob. Before I pray, I'd love you to uh, turn to someone near you. Uh, and the verse or the sticker that you got talks about how you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So I want you to turn to someone and I just want you to look at them and say, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do that with someone near you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, buddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking you to feel fearfully and wonderfully made because you may not feel fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to start to know that you are. Start to believe it. If you have to believe it by faith, going, Lord, I don't feel it. Not many people have called me that, but you have called me fearfully, wonderfully made. Would you help align how I see myself the way you see me. So that's my prayer. Lord God, I don't often look in the mirror and go, yeah, man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, I see so many of uh, my dots. I almost don't need anyone else to even point them out to me. I'm so aware of the dots sometimes. And when I am focused on that, Lord, I just miss, <laughs> I miss out on the masterpiece you've made me to be. And uh, Lord, I know that as we begin to see ourselves the way you see us, we won't become proud or puffed up. We'll be humbled. We'll be humbled by it, and we'll have joy in our hearts because of it, and we'll just be free to skip down the road, and the dots and stars will just fall to the ground. So Lord, uh, Lord Jesus, we give you where we're at right now.
We thank you, Lord, that you've saved us, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we're not who we used to be, Lord, but we also know we're not all that we want to be either. So, Lord, I still am drawn to the dots and to the stars, Lord, and I don't want to be. I want to be drawn to you who made me, who created me, who knows me, and who I will spend all of eternity with getting to know. So, Lord Jesus, bless my friends at home and in person, Lord. I just pray we would become to know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. And all those listening and who do not know their Creator, may they begin a relationship. May they give you their heart. That's what you asked in that clip. Would you just give your heart to Jesus? You'll never regret it. So, God, we give you this day and our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, friends. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Have a great Sunday.